0: You want to meet my mug this week? Oh okay, yeah, please, introduce your mug. I don't know, this is a Goodwill find. We always look at Goodwill for handmade stuff. And the reason is, see how giant this handle is? Right. It's perfect, you can get a whole fist in there. It's wow. like a little heart between the mug and my hand. Nice. I think we All got right. this one at Salvation Army up in Saugus.
1: I think you can tell how professional the mug is by how tiny the handle is. Yeah. Yeah. That's made by a child. <laughs> You're supposed to grab it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. What are we talking about today? All right. So, today we're gonna talk about gun control.
0: Shoot them up. Shoot them up. Um, Which is fitting. There was just this Texas shooting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been memeing it's, like it's, crazy it's, about it. It's bad for me. <laughs> gun it's, control yeah, advocate. It anyway. It's bad for me because it's Christian shooting people.
1: Uh, it's just it's bad for. Is it good for anybody? No. No. Um, so welcome to talking in the chasm, a compassionate controversial conversation between best friends.
0: Holy man. And atheist. I'm Matthew. I'm Felix. And we're glad to be here.
1: Alright. So, um, let's just start. A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Alright. You grew up with guns?
0: Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I have very, very mixed feelings about this issue. Mm. Um. I'm obvious. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a, a, a very devout advocate of nonviolence. Was a violent man in my youth, and part of my Christianity was yielding to Jesus's teachings about loving your enemies. So I have personally an absolute prohibition on ever using violence. No. I, I I distinguish it this way: <clears throat> a pacifist thinks that there's a nonviolent solution for every problem. Like if you go back to hippie, hippies pacifism in the right. '60s, it was like, hey, let's find nonviolent ways to solve these problems. That's not actually the Christian position. The Christian position is cross-bearing. Sometimes violence is the solution, but we're the sufferers, not the prosecutors. So in cross-bearing Christianity, we see redemptiveness in suffering, and so so the choice to suffer as opposed to inflict suffering is what we find redemptive and emblematic about jesus's life so for me and for the church we have an absolute prohibition on violence in any way and we have these kind of weird ideas about the government like we talked about before but in in this case when you come to when we come to this issue and especially i think we have to talk about america in particular because we're very odd people yeah. in Western society about this stuff. The idea, uh, let me say it this way, there's these weird juxtapositions in, in, in American politics that always befuddle me. On the one hand, like if you take, if you take uh, redemptive violence, on the one hand, my liberal friends are very much disposed towards dove policies like non-military intervention where they're generally against the war but they're also for the redemptive violence of abortion. On the other hand, those that are against abortion are for war. And there's kind of this same kind of construct when we talk about gun control, in that we, most people who are most likely to advocate gun control are also most suspicious of the government. And that's weird to me, because if you disarm the populace, you are arming the government. And depending on the government's arms to, to you trusting them to be the yeah. only bearers of weapons and that seems like a hard sell to me
1: well you, you, so you, you mentioned a few things so uh, I've mentioned a lot of things yeah. <laughs> in the same way that abortion is really about w- what is life uh-huh. right yeah yeah this question could be about what is violence I mean you know you say abortion is violence but is, is spanking violence you know yeah, I mean that's violent. Sure. And yet, a lot of Christians do that. Sure. So you know, it's
0: where you draw yeah, the lines. Yeah, it's like well, you know,
1: and uh, I, I, you know, I believe we we talked about self-defense, mm-hmm. um, and, and that if you you came home and somebody was raping and murdering your children, you would not kill that person if it if that's what it if that if that was your
0: choice, kill that yeah. person or. Yeah, it's a I think that's a false dilemma. But yeah, if I was pushing that false dilemma, I mean, I think there are many, many other ways to resolve those situations. And the potential the reason it's a false dilemma is because like, do I have a gun? No. Okay, pretend you have a gun. Well, am I good at shooting? No. Well, how likely am I to shoot my child? I mean, or or my neighbor or a million other Let's not talk
1: about that. Let's talk about they're attacking your wife with a knife. And you go get in the middle, and and you get in the middle, and you fight, and then you somehow get the knife, and he's still beating your wife. And you know, now you have power to stop it. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like,
0: yeah, I'm I'm an absolutist about this. I I don't know how all the implications work. One of the most famous cases that, that maybe more people know about oh, it wasn't even the movie, they did that movie Hacksaw Ridge about Desmond Doss. Did you see this? No, I didn't. Amazing man! You shouldn't watch the movie. It's kind of cheesy. It was okay, but but the, there's a uh, there's a documentary about Desmond Doss called um, Conscientious Objector, and he's an amazing man. He was a Seventh Day Adventist and he joined the the army uh, to fight in World War II, not to fight, but to be a medic, and he wanted to. He felt like he it was a it was a good war. He just wasn't going to use violence right so he went in as a medic. it's an amazing, amazing story. He had a, 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 a personal commitment to nonviolence and paid an incredible price for it and at one point it doesn't talk about it in the movie I don't think, but in in his biography it does that he was in a ca- in a network of caves. he was in the Pacific Theater. And he was working through a system of caves, and he came out to an outcropping where there was two Japanese soldiers running a machine gun against Americans. And this is like the classic case, right. like kill two, save a hundred. And he didn't, he couldn't do it. He said, I, "I, I, understand all the implications. I just, I could not do it." And, and at the same time, during that same week of conflict, he saved hundreds and hundreds of people's lives, uh, Japanese and Americans. And so that commitment to life overshadowed the potential. There's another when I think about these things, you know I ground my philosophy about how to live life in a Christian narrative. And when you, when I consider the Christian narrative about redemptive violence in the last night that Jesus is alive before his crucifixion, He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and soldiers come to take Jesus. Now Jesus is infinitely more valuable than my family. He's the spotless Lamb of God. He's the creator. He's perfection, never did anything wrong, like the ideal human, quintessential perfection. And Peter, one of his disciples, when they come to take him, pulls out a sword and cuts off Malchus's ear, the high priest's servant. And and Jesus rebukes him and heals the man's ear. And there's a famous early Christian named Tertullian who said when Jesus disarmed Peter he disarmed all Christians. Like we just do we do not see violence as redemptive. And there's a whole philosophy behind that which I'd actually love to talk about as its own episode about philosophies of nonviolence sure. and conflict resolution. I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point here, but that's right. definitely something we should revisit.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the question about, you know, what is violence comes into this picture a little bit. You also mentioned about disarming the populace will uh, arm the government, sort of. And this is my my thinking on that in, in regards to the Second Amendment, too. It's like um, in 1776, an armed militia could outnumber an attacking government that is attempting to dictate power. I mean, it was entirely Uh possible that the army of the government would come in and just decide, okay, we're gonna put in a monarchy or whatever, or we're gonna put in a dictator, and the people of America could grab their guns and actually overpower them and say, no, you're not, okay? That's not possible today. It is not possible. I mean, to say, if we were really talking about uh, we are protecting ourselves against uh, a rogue government, then we should be able to have tanks, nuclear missiles, attack helicopters. I mean, we're not... nobody's saying that in the Second Amendment. They're not saying, I I have the right to nuclear armament. I mean, the government has it. Why shouldn't I have it? I should be able to fight the government. So I should have attack helicopters. So I don't understand that mentality of I'm going to... You're not going to overpower the government with your handgun. It's not going to ever happen.
0: I, I, I beg to differ. Really? Yeah. And I think that I often hear this from people who are not a part of gun culture and don't understand. Militarization. Um, you, you, I think that you're absolutely wrong, and I and and I can prove it. People with AK-47s have fought off both the Russians and the American government for almost forty years now in Afghanistan. Improvised explosive devices and AK-47s have held off the entire Russian army and the entire American army for over thirty years in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vietnam was an insurgent war. Iraq was an insurgent war. Look at all the, the damage that yeah. was done by an insurgent army. Now you have over a billion rounds of ammunition in people's homes and hundreds of millions of firearms in American homes today. That's a huge, huge military contingent. And well, they could a, fight an insurgent army against the U.S. I think States it's so. a matter of commitment. I mean, sure.
1: Depending on what I mean the government in
0: Afghanistan isn't going to bomb the whole place. They're not going to you know, I mean, yeah. Well, would American would those Americans and their hundreds of millions of weapons unite enough to right. have a common of enemy with not. the government is a big qu- open question. It would because depend on what, what what was happening. The word
1: but, regulated has changed its meaning over the past few sure. hundred years. I and mean, we regulated used to mean
0: um, they were out doing exercises yeah, in the disciplined. common yeah
1: and now it now that it means more you know laws and stuff but i mean that, that, we're not there is no disciplined militia there isn't one so well, there are some but you don't want to know them should be able to yeah <laughs> yeah but so so it just that's just a weird argument for me in this day and age that we need to have guns so that if the government so that we can fight off a dictator that wants to take over america
0: yeah, I don't think that's a too much of a stretch for me. Yeah, I, I, I would me. that's actually that's actually the one argument in favor, I think, still yeah. of, of of gun ownership in America. Now, maybe I'm biased, my I I was raised by a father who taught me that, but I, I think there's enough precedent in, in in insurgent campaigns, although and in fact, when America fought the British it was an insurgent campaign. Hey, this is a fascinating little subplot. You know, we always—I was always taught in history class and in my church, sadly—that uh, um, like America, America's victory in the Revolutionary War was some kind of divine fiat. Like God was on our side. That's how we we, ups, we uh, up we upstarted against the greatest military empire in the world, and Britain certainly was. Although the Dutch soon would be on their heels, but nonetheless, it was a great military empire sunset never right, said yeah, on, yeah. on the British Empire. So these ragtag you know farmer colonialists throwing off the it was it was a classical insurgent campaign and it's fascinating when you look at when you peel away some of the mythology around the revolution like for instance, the British what what happened with the British in America was exactly what happens with the Americans in Iraq and Afghanistan. The British military could take any city they wanted. Any time they wanted they just could never keep it because you had to you had to be there and be present right. and keep you could never Occupy you had to have soldiers on the ground So if you want to Boston you could take boss if you're willing to commit the resources But the second you let up they're right back and that's that's how insurgent campaigns work And it's why it would work again if there was an insurgent war civil war in America. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying it is possible yeah. with hundreds of millions of ro- of what, firearms and billions of Yeah, what, I mean, it, I, obviously it would
1: depend on how it played out. I mean, you know, if, if for instance, our idiot president decides, oh, okay, I'm going to be a dictator, uh-huh. and then you have half the country that says, okay, then we're yeah. talking about something very different than if... Congress one day decides, okay, we're going to be a dictatorship. If you play that scenario
0: out, I mean, it's not that implausible that Mm -hmm. you have the liberals who want to impeach Trump and all the conservatives with all the guns who say no. So you would literally have the government against the people. Yeah. You don't have guns. Your neighbors don't have guns. Right. They're not in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This isn't the place where the fight would be.
1: But So anyway, my, my... that's not one of my worries, uh, honestly. Is that yeah, the government's going to take remote, over and yeah. try to be a dictator or something, dictatorship or something like that? Um, I mean, my worst fears came true, and this guy became the president, and we're still around. Yeah, life goes on, you know. So, um, one of my fears is not that the government will try to take us over, and so I don't think it's not my fear. I either. don't think it's very important that we uh, guard against that. You, you know what I mean like I, I think the damage that guns do is more than, than the, the comfort potential. you would get by being able to overthrow your government if were it, to try to take you over that's you know my, my thing
0: um, so but you're an, uh, I, I think it's important though especially for what we're doing here because I'm very sympathetic to that view but I also understand that there I can play devil's advocate with that in yeah a, like you're an urbanite liberal. Like you don't, you, you don't live in rural America, you, you have police that will show up and I called the police when, I called 911 when my baby quit breathing. I had police in my door in three minutes. When I lived in Oregon, a police call like that would have resulted in somebody showing up, probably not the police, probably more of an ambulance or volunteer firefighter in about 23 minutes. And the difference between twenty-three minutes yeah, and three sure. minutes is life or death. Is a huge deal. And so, if you live in rural America, and the idea of somebody, some meth head, breaking into your house, the idea of home defense is a different calculus than it is for you and me. Right. I mean, they would say, many people would say that three minutes is too much. But nonetheless, we have accessible help and neighbors and all right. these things. And it's a different calculus. When you're living, the, I think it's hard to it's hard for East Coasters to realize. Like, it was eight hour drive across my state in Oregon from my front door to the Idaho border was eight hours, and most of it was high desert. That's like I if I drive eight hours to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I go through seven states, right. and probably forty million people then be, Population density. Yeah. It's just a whole different calculus. No, I, I, I,
1: I do get that I also appreciate that that there are quite a few people that hunt with guns for food uh-huh. for their family. I, I understand that My my problem with this is that uh, I think that there's a huge problem in America that is not in other countries uh-huh. um, sure enough. So every time there's a there's a shooting a school shooting the onion runs the same headline every single time and that headline is no way to prevent this says only nation where this ever happens and that's it, it was really funny the first time i read it and now it's just kind of sickening yeah. because we we're not we do, we're just not doing anything you know and my my main thing is i just I want to. I'm not happy with the situation that it is right now, and I'm not alone in that dissatisfaction with the murder rate and the killing and the the school shootings that happen in this country that don't happen in other countries. And so, if if I'm not alone in this sort of frustration. I just want to try things. I just want to do something, you know? Can't we just see what it would be like if we decided to outlaw um, tactical military guns or, you know, whatever? Well, we did that. You know, let's... What would happen if we if we decided okay nobody gets a gun nobody not even cops or what would happen if we decided okay everybody gets a gun there's no sort of restrictions whatsoever I mean I, try different things and can we just See work happens. on this problem because it's right now these little tiny measures don't really do anything so I want to talk just briefly people use Japan as a, as a big example right um, so they say because uh, there's no weapons I, there. I took some notes no, guns? no there are guns but here it is okay in two thousand seventeen there were uh, three hundred and forty-six mass shootings in the United States. Three hundred and forty-six. That's almost one every single day. Um, and there were fifteen thousand five hundred and forty-nine gun deaths. Okay. In Japan, fifteen.
0: 000, but we don't know much about that, right? Like, what are the definitions of a mass shooting and and the gun deaths? How many of them are self-inflicted? Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no.
1: That's part of the. Okay, of that's the problem. We're, we're including that in the equation. That is part of okay. the problem. Is suicide. Okay? Because uh, c- I think you know, that's a huge part We can of that talk number, about that right, right now. But sui- the, most people who commit suicide do it out of some emotional trauma yeah, that impulse. happens in the instant. Yeah. And a gun is, my wife left is me or my extremely child. successful at killing you. Yeah. And most of those people, a huge percentage of those people would not kill themselves were they, if they didn't have access not to a gun. given that opportunity, or if they had a knife and they tried to kill themselves and they survived, they would
0: continue to survive. Well, it takes a lot more willpower to hang yourself or stab yourself or kill yeah, very yourself mu- yes. than it does to pull a trigger.
1: That's right. So, I consider that as part of the problem, okay. but anyway, so we're going to say 15,549 gun deaths in the United States in 2017. In Japan in 2017, there were three gun deaths. Right. so Japan's one third the size of America, so let's just multiply that by three to nine. Okay? okay.
0: That's what I was gonna say. What's the population difference? Yeah. That's
1: outrageous. Okay, it's nine gun deaths versus fifteen thousand. But okay, it's a huge, manifold that, difference. That's that's difference, and but you, there's so many factors that go into that. You can't say it's lack of gun. You can't just say it's it's lack of guns. I mean, there's a cultural, complete cultural difference. In the '50s, after World War II, Japan decided we're not going to be a violent culture anymore. They outlawed guns. They outlawed. Nobody has swords in their house. I mean, there's more Japanese swords on the wall in America than there are in Japan. I mean, That's it's just—it's crazy. They're just like, okay, we're we're. we're well, that one prime minister cops was assassinated don't carry with the sword, right? Can
0: yes. That? That's yeah. crazy.
1: So cops don't carry guns, whatever. So you can have a gun in Japan, and here's what you have to do, okay? If a Japanese person wants to own a gun, they must attend an all-day class pass a written test and achieve at least 95% accuracy during a shooting range test. Then they have to pass a mental health evaluation which takes place at a hospital and pass a background check in which the government digs into their criminal record and interviews friends and family. They can only buy shotguns and air rifles, no handguns, and every 3 years An they air must rifle? and every 3 years they must retake the class and the exam every 3 years. So okay you can own a gun but I mean you know so the result of that is nine gun deaths a year but but okay the culture is totally different which is why I like to talk about Australia yeah because Australia is Is a a very freedom loving yeah is a is a country
0: of It's about as close to America as you pioneering Uh go-getters and criminals and everything okay so outbackers yeah so in
1: 1996 a 28 year old man killed 35 people and wounded 18 During a uh, a shooting with, you know, machine guns or whatever. Um, 18 weeks after, so and then the government decided to do something like what I'm, you know, advocating. Try something, okay? They tried something. It worked there. Maybe it wouldn't work here. I don't know. But they decided um, 18 weeks after the government banned semi-automatics and other military-style weapons. All right. So you could still have certain types of guns but um, revolvers. yeah so in 2014 colors. there were uh, 32 gun deaths all year alright Australia has 24 million people so in and then I wrote down as I looked up people use Chicago all the time as an example and I'm not using that because Chicago has lots of other issues um, that contribute to the gun violence. So I just picked Louisiana because it was very high, and and I thought, well, it's one of the highest um, murder rates in the country. But I decided to, to to use that as an example because it has one of the la- the most lax gun policies. You don't need a license. You can. They have the no restrictions on high capacity magazines. You, know, you know, the, oh. it's, there's, it's as free as it can possibly be in this country. Okay. So, in 2014, Louisiana had, if you adjust it to Australia per capita, 4,632 gun deaths.
0: Okay? To, as to 32 in... As to in 32
1: in Australia. Australia. Um, gun suicides in Australia dropped 80% in 2015.
0: That's probably the biggest I mean, life-saving.
1: 22,103 Americans shot themselves to death in 2015. 22,000 people shot themselves to death and I'm just I'm just saying if there weren't guns a huge percentage of those people would still be alive and maybe on antidepressants and maybe you know and, and maybe you know I, I, I didn't have a gun and when I tried to kill myself and it didn't work I just thought okay next time I'm using a shotgun that's mm-hmm. it you know had I done that the first time I would, you know I wouldn't be here I'm a happy person and everything worked out we've talked about that in a previous episode but that that ability to 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 take that emotional decision and finalize it is something I'm not super happy about. Um, but and then the, the last thing that, that I, I wrote down here is that to me Sandy Hook marks the end of the American gun debate because if a room full of twenty dead six and seven year olds can't sway your opinion, nothing will. I mean, we've just accepted it. You know, mm-hmm. we've accepted that there's going to be a school shooting every day. We've accepted the fact that people are going to go into a mall and shoot 27 people or whatever. I mean, that's just, you know, we've just accepted that. In Australia, it doesn't happen anymore. In Japan, it doesn't happen anymore. Well, what happened? You know?
0: Was it, what, what was that big shooting at like that youth camp in, was it Finland? Do you remember that one? No. Um, sorry. There was a, a, what was his name? He wrote a manifesto. I think it was in Finland or Norway. He went out into an island where there was a youth camp and shot a bunch of middle school children. I wonder what their response was. Yeah. I heard that I heard that somewhere in, in maybe it was was it Switzerland or one of those northern European countries that they almost had like a compulsory gun ownership. Like everybody had guns and they had very low gun crime as well, I wonder if oh. on both of the extremes, with no guns or all guns, you end up with this, similar results, and it's just which, which end of the spectrum are you closer right. to? Right. I mean,
1: certainly the problem is not the fact that there's physical guns, although that's a huge problem. I mean, people are ac- you know, accidentally shot. I mean, I, yeah. I, I had a friend. I had friends who accidentally yeah, I had a friend shot in, people in high school, uh, junior high school, who accidentally shot and killed his best friend. Yeah. Shot, shot Playing play with a gun, too. and uh, so 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 you know. I, I think you know taking machines that are designed to end human life out of the equation is a good thing, but obviously the problem is more cultural than it is anything else. I mean, in Japan, the, the they solved it with culture. Um, people say, "Oh, well, then you know, only bad guys will have guns, only criminals will have guns, and good guys won't have guns." It's like, yeah, that's how I want it. <laughs> I mean. We make murder illegal, so now only criminals commit murder. I mean, that's what criminals are. Yeah. So yes, a criminal will get, his hand, get their hands
0: on a machine gun, and they will walk yeah. into a mall and shoot everybody. But it won't happen every single freaking day. And when you see one, you'll know it's a bad guy. The other thing is that this is another one of those irreconcilable juxtapositions of American culture to me. Like, uh, m- my pro-gun friends will say... If you make laws against guns, only bad people have guns, but they also want laws against abortion. Like, well, which is it? And that runs right. both directions. Like, if if the appeal, if, if we're going to appeal to laws for anything, then you have to you have to apply that across the board. Like, if 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 my program friends want laws against abortion, then you can't make an argument that laws against guns are only going to enable bad actors to have guns. Right. Except the. Uh... You know, we we talk about abortion as
1: being, you know, wh- is it life? Is it not life? That's a, that's, a separate, that's a separate. I'm just issue. saying the appla- I, I, yeah. application of
0: of of, of laws, legal restraint. Right.
1: Do we want the government to tell us what we can and can't do? Yeah. And if so, you know, um, and, and I understand that. One thing that kind of kind of blows my mind is this romanticism of the old west. Yeah, I don't want to walk into a bar where everybody has a gun on their on their uh, hip and there's no freaking law. I don't want that. I mean, I I can't believe that people think that that's romantic. That
0: you're gonna walk around with a with a with a gun and do good. I was well. I don't know about the do good part, but I there was a time in my life when I was around a lot of firearms, of bad actors, and that you have to you have to be a kind a certain kind of person to enjoy that atmosphere like the danger and the thrill and the potential incitement yeah. is it does something to a breed of people I don't think that our society should be built out of those people well <laughs> yeah <a> really bad <laughs> I mean we we talked a
1: little bit about this in uh, in economic materialism and also in the the police but it's sort of a shortcut to power yeah it's like you know people just you know it's all about power you want power and Mm -hmm. whatever it costs and I mean you pull out a gun you're the most powerful person in the room all of a sudden that's just such a shortcut it's so easy it's like wow yeah you know and I get
0: that Um, and that that feeling so what so I think I'm not it I'm not as uh, Generally trusting of the government. I think as you are I'm pretty suspicious, but I consider like I I think that's a unique perspective to me I don't expect other people to feel that way I'm when I look at places that have that have like that Japanese system and structure uh, Germany would be similar and I don't know how they are with gun control, but the government imposing its its will over the individual, um, like the societal versus the individual, that's really what's at the underlying cultural component of the difference between America and Europe and other places. I I, I, I do wonder about the Australian example because I'm wondering how you got all those roughnecks from the outback to go along with this because we have well they, of had, those people they had they had a
1: very generous buyback program that's how they did it that was how they did it, and it so was it was a, beer it money it was really big yeah yeah it was a generous buyback program um and stiff penalties yeah I suppose I don't I don't know
0: much. yeah I mean you know I don't know how I think if 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 we're not going to have Sandy Hook there's a couple options you have to change American culture I don't I don't I'm not we're
1: gonna that's that's the solution to ninety uh, percent of what
0: we're gonna ever talk about or, or you have to get here's an interesting construct the the uh, the conservation movement is an interesting movement you know here in this area is it's why Boston is as green as it is you know we have the fellsway in Medford. Arlington area it's 5,000 acres of preserve right. with trails and stuff it's beautiful and i um, uh, one of the things I was surprised about when I moved to the Boston area is how green it is yeah. and how many opportunities there are for well they had Olmsted to
1: do the Emerald necklace yeah uh, and you know there's just,
0: lots of really you know. beautiful parts of the city and it's because it, in part uh, Thoreau and the Alcotts and this early American naturalism movement had its intellectual roots here in the Boston area. And and I don't know how far that took off, but when when conservation got big was under Teddy Roosevelt, who was a hunter, and when you got the hunters on board with conservation, it opened up like all this access to political power and support and money for conservation efforts and 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 now hunting clubs are some of the biggest conservation advocates taking care of wild spaces is good for hunters so you found this kind of like unlikely bedfellows that these roughneck hunters would be conservationists and when you put those two together you had all this access and all this good for the general society for the whole country and i think there's got to be some kind of collaboration between like Mental health and gun owners. That if you could get gun owners to push for mental health, and and try to try to get get some way to have these kinds of background checks where, yeah. where mental health was a huge component of gun ownership, maybe maybe it's a it's a compromise. You take some restrictions off of gun ownership if you pass these really rigorous, sure. rigorous mental health right. tests. Again,
1: try something. Yeah, because I'm not cool with. The way that it is, you know, with the, the murder rate in this country and uh, you know the suicide rate and the mass mass killings. So
0: coming full circle now, what 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 do you tell people about the Texas shooting that just happened? Well, the you know the way. First that, of all, who wh- tries wh- to shoot wh- up a church in Texas?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way that it was reported was awful. I mean, you know, immediately the mayor and the governor and yeah. everybody goes on. They're like, see, see, yeah. good guys with guns. They were hired security officers, trained people. I mean, just uh, imagine that. Okay, imagine this scenario, right? Somebody walks into a church and starts shooting it up, and then three people stand up and start shooting back. Then the cops come. Who do they shoot? There's like yeah. five people shooting everybody each other yeah, with yeah. guns.
0: You know, I mean, but it was I, I all just, over before anybody even called nine one one. It
1: was, yeah. And this this was an anomaly, and it's great that it would that, that more people weren't killed, and I think that's fantastic. I don't really think it it doesn't change anything about how I how I how you know that guy might never have had a gun if we had super strict restrictions or if that gun didn't even exist because it, they're they're illegal in this country. And yeah, who knows? It doesn't change the fact that I'm not happy about the fact that some guy walked into a church and started shooting because we live in a culture where that's okay. You know? I think
0: what my what my dad would tell you is he would say that's all good and well Felix but that's a fantasy world like the fact is there are millions of guns and if that's the world we live in then good people do need to have guns
1: right except in France England Australia Japan China uh, you know every country every other country but us yeah so it's not a fantasy world yeah Um, it's the real world um, when now I, my dad's going to post on this video He's going to argue with you on YouTube when I lived, when I lived Bring dad, it dad I, I, I lived in France In uh, the 80's uh-huh. And uh, the cops didn't have guns So they just had white gloves <laughs>
0: White gloves, how very French <laughs> oh, well, yeah, the- oh they look fantastic
1: but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fabulous They didn't have guns, they didn't carry guns Officers walking around beat cops and, Well the English bobbies didn't for a long time you know, In Japan they still do not
0: the they, in Japan, I think they they do a lot of non lethal. They do They're, like nets and, and dyes, and, 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 and uh,
1: their martial arts is a big part of police training, and uh, and these special kind of baton things mm-hmm. and the way that they wield them is different. And you know, there's a lot of training. I mean, I'm all for non lethal, you know, protection for cops. I mean, tasers and you know, mm-hmm. rubber bullets and whatever. Um, but. Uh, I think funneling more guns into the equation it never makes it better. And I just think we've proven that, so now can we try a different equation? Can we just try something else?
0: So how likely do you think that
1: is to happen in the next 10 years? Um, extraordinarily unlikely to happen. I mean, you know, I'm not a politician and nobody's asking me, you know? But I would like to feel safe in, in, in walking around the streets. And not have children have to have to role play what would happen if somebody walks in and starts shooting. I mean, do you know that kids do that now? Yeah. They they line up and go into a closet, or they learn how to barricade the door and how to turn their desk over and get behind it. I mean, that that's you know this is going to happen. This, big chances is going to happen to you, so let's get ready. It's just like us going under our desks for, for a nuclear Cold nuclear uh, attack. Yeah. Um, I don't want to live in that in that culture. I, I'm just not at all happy about it. So, you know, I guess you would call me a socialist probably. I mean, I also, you know, feel like, you know, we, I, I want to live in a place that's safe. I want to live in a place where the average citizen is educated and healthy. So I, I think we should educate people through college for free. I think we should, everybody should be healthy and get free health care and, you know, whatever. Um, so I don't think it's likely to change in ten years. I don't think it's likely to change at all because it hasn't changed in a hundred years or two hundred years, and people just keep clinging to this Second Amendment as if you know, okay, this is this is our right. You're gonna take away one of our rights.
0: Well, um, it is. You know, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what you have to deal with.
1: Right. And, and I'm I'm cool with it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's better to be. I think it's better to put it in those frank terms. I think it's yeah. better to say we think it shouldn't be a right. Right, then. I
1: don't think we should, that you, raping people should be a right, a right, I don't think. You know, there's a lot of things, because I, I used to be more libertarian. I mean, I used to say, just as long as you're not hurting somebody else, do whatever the heck you wanna do, uh-huh. I mean, who cares, right? But the fact is, most people are not compassionate thinking. In, you know, um, individuals who understand how to de-escalate situations, how to think critically. I mean, you know, unfortunately, the average person just isn't like that. We don't teach Especially that. Especially under stress. Yeah. So, um, so every now and then, the government does need to tell you what to do. Yeah. You know, uh, since we mandate, since we mandated seatbelt laws. You know, we've saved millions of millions of lives because people won't do it. Yeah. Unless the government says you have to do it. Helmet
0: laws. You know,
1: thing. so people aren't going to necessarily make the best choice for themselves.
0: Maybe it's maybe the way to say it is that some choices are better made at a corporate level or like sometimes a, a rational discussion of a society is yields better results than each individual choosing for themselves
1: right sometimes decisions are made better as a collective
0: uh-huh right yeah. as a collective I believe that i think um kind of a wrap up thought the the best appeal for that I've come across is i remember um, I was working on a job somewhere. I don't remember where I was, but I can see it in my head. When I heard about the Nickel Mines shooting, do you remember the Nickel Mines shooting? Yeah. No. It was an Amish schoolhouse. It was a uh, horrific yes, yes. shooting. And yes. it was a man that had gone into an Amish schoolhouse, and he was going to tie up all these girls and rape them and murder them. Just, you know, the stuff of nightmares. And, um... I don't remember if it was 6 or 9 children that were killed and then he shot himself and what what stands out to me about that particular shooting was that I was at work when I heard about it and I heard about it from friends because that was a place that I knew and it was a culture that I knew and it was a people like I didn't know anybody at that schoolhouse right, right. but I no, knew no, no. people yeah. who were close friends who lived in that community and who were there that day and who were trying to comfort their Amish neighbors about all that. And there's some amazing stories that came out about forgiveness from the Amish community there. But that, when I heard that news, like I had to stop work and I had to go outside and cry. Like how, how is the world this broken? How yeah. does this happen to you? What it, how can it be?
1: Right.
0: And when I was, when I was really broken about all that, the the next thought that hit me like a wave was that that was about the third sh- shooting in a school within as many weeks. And I was like, <clears throat> I felt guilty because this one broke me, broke my heart. Right, but
1: the others you didn't. But it broke
0: know. my heart because it was people I knew about. Could I could
1: identify with.
0: And... And it took three school shootings to get me to a place where I could shed a tear about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the question for the gun community is that it's if, if you want to preserve gun ownership in America, if it's hunting and home defense and all these things, then instead of fighting every, every good-intentioned person who's saying we can't have these kinds of things happening anymore— there needs to be a collaboration to figure out how to keep these things. Help us figure it out. Yeah. If you're a pro-gun person, help us find the solution. Right. That's You're the gun community. We'll listen to you about guns. I mean, liberal people say stupid things about guns all the time because I they don't know. understand them, they don't know them. Right, and and this
1: stuff about spouting facts, I mean, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, you know, this is an emotional issue. Yeah. And uh, saying, you know, however many people get shot. I mean, but what does the number 15,000 mean? Do you can not picture 15,000 no. marbles? I can't. I, no. That's just it's, it's an insanity. More than mean, more than 50 marbles? Not whatever. could be a yeah. million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we what we've come up with as far as a solution is that we need to all talk to together as a community and that that would be the gun community would be a huge part we, of that.
0: We have to find a way that the gun community feels empowered to be a part of the solution that everybody wants cuz the gun community doesn't want school shootings that's nobody wants that i think there's a lot of different ideas about what the solutions are but let's if we can if we can incentivize gun owners to come up with right real solutions to that problem right. that's right
1: would a person that wants to own a gun have a problem with a very extensive background check would they have a problem with uh you know mental health uh well they have i think we need
0: to there but if 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 i was charged with finding an an answer to that problem i would say how do i incentivize the gun community like what's the give what's the compromise yeah what are we going to let them have cannons or full automatics if they'll pass this super rigorous right mental health check and then you can blow a million rounds at a target range all you want like yeah open something up so that there's something on the table that that gun community would like right I mean I I think that
1: um, that nobody nobody agrees that um, driver's licenses are a bad thing yeah right I mean in order to, to to drive a very heavy machine capable of killing people you need to pass a Rigorous test and driving test have to have so many hours. You need to, you know, it's a. You have to practice. You have to be good at it. You know. And that, there's
0: even a different license for a motorcycle and a different yeah. license for commercial driving and all those things.
1: So, I, I don't imagine that uh, gun owners would have a problem with that. But you mentioned that it wasn't a uh, constitutional a right. right to yeah. have a, to drive. Um, this constitutional thing, it's just, it's a little sticky. <laughs> it is For me, I mean, I you know I love the Constitution. I think it's beautifully written, and it's just this awesome thing. But um, I wish we would actually follow it. But um, it doesn't uh, give you rights. It only it enumerates them. Tells you it only protects rights that you already have. Um, and maybe the right to drive a car isn't a right that you already have. So it's then, a social so construct. So maybe we talk about why. why guns guns should be so anyway the gun community is part of the conversation I think is the uh, is the solution and that I I really I want to try something we need to try something so alright I love you love you too (laughs)